Star Wars Andor is an American action and science fiction television series created by Tony Gilroy for the streaming service Disney Plus as part of the Star Wars franchise. What'd you think of Rogue One? I didn't like it that much, actually. I really liked it. I know, you're you're in the majority of opinion there. I don't think I am, because I think I enjoy it almost as much as the original Star Wars series. It has a 7.8 on IMDb. Yeah, but I've always found it to be more interesting than definitely all the prequels or the sequels. <laughs> but the original series and Rebel One, I think they... Uh, Rogue One. See, that's the thing, is I would always call it Rebel One. Even when I was searching it up for this, I just kept on typing Rebel One, and every time I did that, Google wouldn't give me the results that I wanted, <laughs> and it took me like 10 minutes before I realized it's Rogue One. Would it come why, up with... Why do I always do that? Though? Well, there's that animated series, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I think that might have to do with it, but also it's just it flows off the tongue easier than Rogue One, so maybe I don't like the title, I like the movie, and I really like this show. Compared to all the other Disney plus uh, Star Wars shows, I think that this is my favorite. Really, yeah, I have the same opinion. I said my favorite uh, since The Mandalorian. I, that's exactly what The Guardian said. Its title is the best Star Wars show since The Mandalorian. <laughs> it gave it four stars. Now, for me, it's not just because it has a darker tone to it or that it's more mature. It has to do with the fact that I just like that the style and the tone doesn't feel so purposefully manufactured to be in the star wars yes, universe i have the same opinion the show is not obsessed with lore like it feels like even the mandalorian sometimes is by being able to like try to push so many easter eggs in or references of the actual films this felt like it was actually telling a story of course the star wars feel is still there but yeah it's like kind of original in that sense yeah and in all the interviews that i read tony gilroy was adamant about how he didn't want to just copy the star wars formula how he wasn't originally a fan now he is but like they didn't pull in someone who knew the entire like every single detail of star wars to try to create because then they'd end up trying to make it perfect and again i think that that's to the show's benefit yeah i think what's also to the show's benefit is got it's got a great main star and Diego Luna. Yeah. The funny thing about it, though, is that Rogue One came out 2016. This is a prequel series. Obviously, you're going to deal with a little age difference. And Did Rogue One really come out in 2016? It, wow, it feels so long ago. Yeah, and now he's 42 years old. And the original idea, after trying to make this show for a couple of years, uh, once they got everybody on board and then the pandemic hit and all that, mm -hmm. is that it was supposed to run five seasons Five seasons. Five seasons and then work its way up to the beginning of the movie. I mean, they could still do that. Though. No, they can't because they already said that they only want to make it two seasons now. They've oh. already been greenlit for it. I think it's 12 episodes a season, but I, I'm all psyched for it. So so is The Mandalorian literally the only like long running TV series that Star Wars has on Disney Plus at this point? I have no idea. <laughs> because I think the book of Boba Fett, it, 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 I don't think it got canceled, but I think that was only supposed to be one season. Then you have this, you said that ends in season two, and then yeah, you have but, Kenobi, which was a mini series. Yeah, but by making this a mini series of sorts, you know, where it's like only two seasons. They have a story to tell. They're going to tell it concisely. It feels like they're not wanting to outlast their welcome. And like I, so far, I everything about the show has been positive from my point of view. Okay. Let's get into the actual episodes a little bit. Yeah. This show is split between two storylines. One, you see Diego Luna playing Cassian Andor in sort of the present. And then the other one, you get this backflash narrative to him on the other planet where he's like 10 years old, 12 years old. Like, yeah. I don't know how to gauge this. Around there. He's, I, he's got a sister. Yeah. I would say that we save the backstory for, for the very end because the backstory is kind of I'm just addressing it now yeah, so that right. we can talk about one and then the other. Right. But my favorite part definitely is the part with Diego Luna in yes. it. Um, all the characters in the present storyline feel like they were 
purposefully there. Like, I don't feel like there was anybody thrown in there that didn't need to be. Yeah, but the funniest part about, I think, Star Wars is the fact that they've tried, I think, their hardest to make, uh, like, a Wally character. Sure. <laughs> like, this BB-8, is the most BB-8 Wally was Wally, character, though. Th- but this one, yeah. It B2 looks like EMO. Wally. It literally is Wally. He's just walking around. He has the same type of, like, humor. He also has, like, this stutter, which actually made me feel a little bad for him. But this was Wally. I was like, th- this is almost carbon copy at this and point. And I'm immediately going to go back on what you just said and not talk about the backflash thing and actually talk about that <laughs> because I really found it funny when they showed the backflash to the robot. We got to see him in the Canari timeline. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so at first I thought maybe we were only going to see the robot's backflash <laughs> for just the splittest of seconds, and then we saw, like, the mom and, and the dad right. and, yeah, and how they met uh, Cassian because it's not his real mom. Right, exactly. So Cassian is looking for his sister in the future timeline. Yes, he's on Morlana 1, and he enters into a brothel because apparently she used to work there. Her name yeah, I think the guy said something like, no cash, no credits, or something like that. It was an interesting line to start the entire show with, mm-hmm. and then he walks in there and he, like, asks the waitress or the kind of lady in charge. Who runs the brothel, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a brothel, is it? Yeah, no, they literally say it's a brothel later on in the episode. Okay, so he then asks her if he's seen... His sister worked at a brothel? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, So he's looking for her, and then later on we realize that he hasn't seen his sister since he was literally a child. Mm-hmm. So she, he's looking for someone who's like seven, who used to be seven, eight years old. Yeah, How doesn't is he know what they look like. Now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he leaves the brothel. And uh, then these two guys are heckling him who end up being like law enforcement or the part of the empire, I guess, like empire cops. So these guys are hassling him and wanting to find out where he's from. They're looking to kind of make an arrest here or something. And then well, they want to rob him. I mean, they're shaking him down, you know. So he says, you can have the money in my pocket. They go for the money in his pocket. He knocks one out to the ground. And then the other one realizes the first one had just died. Yeah. So and then and then he you could see the like visibly makes the calculation in his face that he can't keep this other jerk of a cop around. However, killing off a character by your main character when that's the one the audience is supposed to sympathize yeah. with is a really risky gambit to start your show with. And I think it works out exceedingly no, well. No, I, I really like that. Because it makes it cl- Yeah, go ahead. I really like the opening scene because, yeah, it was, like, very shocking. Because I was thinking he was going to let the guy go. More, more, I, I or, really like, did. yeah, there's that. Or, like, with the Mandalorian, it, when he kills someone, it's usually for a justified cause or yeah. it's a robot or it's an alien creature that we don't immediately think of as a human. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So with this, though, it was like right off the bat to the show, we're going to reintroduce you to a character you already know. Mm -hmm. You already know his fate. And we're going to make you still like them, even make you like them more because of how uh decisive he is in that that moment that's one of the things that i like about the show it's like even though we already know his fate we know what happens to him because of star wars rogue one they're still able to make the story interesting and that's always i think the biggest challenge especially when you're trying to pull something like that like with a better call saul situation or or something like that just where you know that the character better call saul is an interesting comparison because it was also a prequel series and it did go five seasons i pull i pull it up because i think a lot of people whenever they think about prequel series think about that that show but unlike with better call saul where you had to watch his character develop into kind of more of a sleazeball than he originally was yeah like Andor basically is the same character once he meets the girl 
right? You know, I did, I really was trying to remember him in Rogue One, and I did. But it's I been enough time. His, but I couldn't really remember his character if he was, like, as, I guess, hardcore as he was in this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they concentrated more on Felicity, whatever her yeah, face Felicity is. Felicity Jones, yeah. Yeah, in, in that movie. But also, you don't really have to, to in order for it. Like, you don't necessarily have to have even seen Rogue One to enjoy this series. Yeah. It's its own plot line. And I'd be curious if you did watch this series first and then watch Rogue One, how well it's going to melt <laughs> well together. It's probably yeah. going to make it way more tragic, yeah. if you think about it. The one character that I was missing, though, because you did get the Wally character here, was that other robot. When's that guy going to join in? What Remember the robot? talking, like, oh. sassy robot that was smart? <laughs> that was my favorite character. Were they all ready together? I'm not talking about C-3PO. I'm no, talking about... No, no, you're talking about the uh, Simon Pegg, I think, voiced him. Yeah, he was an awesome killing robot. <laughs> and, like, they, I know they've done a bunch of awesome killing robots in, in Star Wars, but I think that was my favorite of all time. But, you know, one of the characters that I didn't feel like they really fully explored, and I want to see more from it, it's even one of my cons. It's not Tim, is it? I hated no, Tim's no, character. No, no, no. It's, it's Brasso. Brasso, I feel like oh. the guy who works. You know, Brasso's the one who hooked up that uh, cord to the spaceship that ended up crashing the guy at the very in the third episode. That was kind of implied. Oh, so in the third episode, that's when the Empire really hones in on uh, Andor being a Canari and going to this planet to try to catch him. And so you've got this really stuck-up character in Deputy Inspector um, Cyril, I guess. Cyril Karn. Yeah. yeah. And he is like, just has a bug up his butt about trying to catch this guy, even though his superior, who was also a really cool character, kind of let it go. I like let those character. two murders off. Well, he was able to actually predict what happened. Yeah, he was super <laughs> smart. But this Cyril guy, he's like a sort of a Nazi-ish character. And he goes after Andor, finally finds him. He's stupid, well, but he's determined. Well, I mean, like, I feel like he was actually, they tried to give him like a reasonable thing. Like Andor a reasonable did. storyline. Yeah, reasonable, I guess, like, reason for trying to get Andor. Like, Andor did kill these two cops. No, he was know. just all about the, I'm like, not you saying, can't mess with look, the Empire look, look, or else I'm we're going to mess with you. He's not a good character. He's definitely a villain. I'm I don't just, think he has any, there's no way to redeem his character. I know, you're obviously supposed to He's not going to gonna become a good guy. You're obviously supposed to go for Andor more. I understand that, but I'm saying that, like, in the end, Andor did kill two cops, and I feel like that's what Cyril Karn is trying to get him for. Yeah, and I like how they play him. Kyle Soler does a good job playing the bad guy here, and also, I think Bix is a great character. Mm -hmm. She is uh, played by Adria Arjona, and as, like, just a secondary, she plays a good contrast to Andor, I think. Yeah, I know, but Tim, I, I didn't like Tim either. Tim played the archetype of that guy that character that just feels really jealous and yeah. so he's just gonna portray the main character the judas of the group it was really stupid i even was like kind of upset when bix was like so touched that he died for her because all he did was run down <laughs> he was like she's bleeding and then he like immediately dies i feel like they didn't know what to do with this character after he initially sells out Andor. so they were I'm, like I'm glad let's they just kill him off. off but at the same yeah. time it was just like so annoying that he was the one plot device that they sort of used in order for the bad guys to catch up with them without I, him i don't know if they would have i will say and it's it's a testament to this show that i was able to do it where the third episode like a lot of stuff happened because sometimes 
shows nowadays. It could even be cable where there are at least two episodes or three episodes. And it feels like once they release a second or third episode, not like a lot of big stuff actually went down. But this is one of those shows where it's like, no, by the third episode, everything's going to like crazy. And chaos. I really did enjoy the first two episodes where we're watching Andor on his journey to try to sell this device um, for money so that NS. he can get off planet and then he can look for his sister some more. And yes. then they're also trying to track him down at the same time. An NS9 it, star path unit. That's what he has. Yes. And it's like they, it, they just build it up very well. But I did think going into the third episode, they have to do something pretty big here to keep the level of interest to pay off for mm -hmm. all that like workup that they've done. And they did. The entire 30 some minute episode was uh, was was just action packed. It yeah. was all about like the Imperial skies coming into the planet and then them having like this big shootout. It was the most Mandalorian-esque episode, too. And it also it was the most episode three of the Mandalorian, because that's practically what episode three of the Mandalorian was just action packed. We also got a Skarsgård who it seems like that whole family <laughs> is just showing up everywhere now. Yeah, Rael. Yeah, on the train, he gained a uh, Cassian at the end of the second episode and then actually gained him in the third episode. Yeah, the train reminded me of a Westworld train. Yeah. But what it also showed was that you don't have to make every single epic storyline an hour and a half long. Yeah. And they, like, we don't need the Game of Thrones thing where it's like hour, 10 minutes each episode. They were able to give us this whole adventure in like 30 to 40 minute episodes. I'm very glad that, each yeah. Time. And it's not just Andor that's done that. It's The Mandalorian as well. I'm assuming Book of Boba Fett. Yes, I'm glad that they've stuck with kind of like the 35 minute storytelling because it makes it just a lot more easier to digest. Well, it fluctuated. Some episodes were longer than other. It yeah. really just depended on when the it organically ended. Yeah. Now, should we talk about the backstory? Are we talk yeah, back, backstory. Let's Go. All right. I don't know if we address. We'll go back to the front part in a minute. But like, so he is a kid on Canary and he is part of the prey group. You know, right. they're putting makeup on their faces and they're just a bunch <laughs> of kid warriors that we don't know what happened to their parents. But we know that there was this mining incident on the planet because all that the Imperial people want to do is leech resources from these places yes. to use them for their own building of their military. So then these kids attack one of these bases um, and but before they get there, they see there's been this accident. Everybody's skin is yellow. Like all. We the, should also mention that they don't have any like guns or anything. The things they have are the darts. They uh, have blow darts, like you're saying. Yeah. And also that he left his sister back at camp, right. which there was this real touching moment where she's like, "Don't leave," and he's like, "I'm gonna go anyways." Yeah. And yet he doesn't speak English, so that was. And we don't have to see the subtitles to understand right. what's going on. He goes, uh, the rest of his group, right, run off once their leader gets shot. But he goes into one of the mining operations, which has already been sort of destroyed, and he starts smashing all the control panels. And that's where these two, like, sort of rebel warriors come in, his mom and his dad. Right, and we um, see his mom in the future storyline Yeah, well. the only reason I'm calling her his mom is because she takes up that parental right. figure after she, like, kind of kidnaps him there. Because mm -hmm. she's like, if we leave him here, the Imperial officers are going to kill him and his entire family. So, uh... We should just take him. And that's where he ends up leaving his sister. But the mom's character is still alive in the future, which we see. And he lies to her a bunch of times because he doesn't want to admit that he's been, like, looking for his sister and also been doing sort of, like, underhanded jobs. Yeah, basically. And, and I did like the scene in which um, what B2 EMO... He's like trying to speak throughout the whole entire argument mm -hmm. about Bix and then Andor becomes a lot more fixated on what Bix said than the uh, argument he's having with his mom. I really like those scenes. Well, yeah. it makes sense because the OS system of uh, the B whatever thing that you're talking yeah. about, was it? B2EMO. Okay, B2EMO is sort of like C3PO's operating system where A, he cannot lie unless he's like using a lot of power <laughs> and B, he kind of like has that, you know, yeah. like he tries to interact. Rupt in different yeah, ways. Yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
I just think that their operating system is pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, the third episode ends with an explosion that was actually planned as a distraction, which allows Cassian and Ra'el to freedom. Uh, Cyril Karn is, like, gets so mad at himself, and basically, I'm assuming the next five episodes are going to be just well, kind of a chase. Well, you're, you're jumping sort of ahead, so... At the beginning of the episode, that's when the Imperial Guard land and they, like, step out of their ships. Yes, right. And, like, he's the friend of uh, Andor, Braxo, or Brasso, Brasso, as you uh, he, uh, he he sees them first. Bix goes to meet the guy that uh, Cassian is supposed to sell this device to. And Ryle. Yeah, yeah. Ryle. And uh, tell him that, like, oh, we're under some heat right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys got to get out of here pretty quickly. But Ryle goes to the meeting anyways with Andor. And that's where he kind of says, I don't care as much about the device. I want to recruit you to go work for us. Right. Because you have the tenacity and the curiosity and the intelligence to really make a difference here and change the world. And so just as he's pitching him on this idea, they realize they're surrounded by the Imperial forces and they have to sort of fight their way out. And that's done with a lot of coordination because there's these giant hangers that just keep on plopping on the ground and it, make it makes it impossible for the uh, Andor to get the object that he was right. about to sell. So yeah. he loses that. But then him and Rael escape and I can assume that they're going to go join the rebel cause they, now. They must, But yeah. then what do they do for the rest of the episodes? And when does he find his sister? Right, yeah. yeah. All these lingering questions. I don't think his sister was in row one. So that storyline has to wrap up on yeah. its own as well. The other thing, but they have to find each other. Obviously, that would be impossible yes. not to. Plus, Bix's storyline hasn't really come to an organic close either. So I think she stays around even though we 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 he Andor is leaving the planet. Oh yeah, I still think that we're going to like get characters on the that planet, like Andor's mom and B two E. I don't know if this. the mom's going to stick around. I think the mom sort of had her complete arc. You th- you think that's it for? Her? Yeah. What else did they have to say? Well, I th- I guess she literally that- was just there, kind of intimidating the Imperial officers, being like, once that music stops or once the clanging stops, that's when you should really be concerned. Yeah, that was a that was strange. Well, they were picking them off Die Hard style <laughs> I know, until yeah. literally it was only the two uh, Cyril and that other guy. The, yeah. the one it reminded me a little bit of like the Hogan's Heroes bosses. Like they, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? The ones who were running the concentration think, camp. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were just so dumb. But yet they're just going to keep on searching for the guy. So, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, but this makes Andor as a character really interesting to follow. And I really like the present day storyline. I really like kind of the mystery that it has to it. Also, uh, the different types of characters. The only ones that I really don't like, and like, like I saw in my cons, are Soror Karn. Like, I cannot get over it. I just, Wait, you don't like Soror? Yes, I do not I like his character. I thought you literally just said no, that he, he defended his, his character. I think his acting is fine. I think it's just the character the writing almost kind of the uh, I guess felt like they needed a villain so they decided to throw him in there because it feels like he always is getting tricked at this point. I think he was very deliberately done however I do agree with you that I think he's probably the furthest away from the rest of the Star Wars like way that they've shown Imperial officers in the past like when we talk about the creativity and the idea of opening and expanding the universe by bringing in people who aren't necessarily friends fans of the original series Mm -hmm. and how great they did in that this might be where they bit off maybe a bit more than they could chew because they're representing the Imperial deputies as not just lackeys of like Darth Vader or whatever yeah yeah, but so I was saying the uh, episodes are entertaining I think if you're a Star Wars person you're definitely going to enjoy it 
it. It took some risks. Um, it's gotten positive reviews. AV Club even says it manages to justify its existence. And that's the real question you have whenever you hear about a prequel series or something that's based off a TV show, a spinoff of some sort. And not only does it justify it, it independently could just be its own thing. Yes. And overall, I liked it. But if I am going to get into more of my cons, I felt like the backstory was very thinly veiled. Like it At just, first, I felt that way. But by the end, I was like, well, at least they gave it kind of a tie-in. Like, by the third episode, we were done with seeing Canari, at least. If it had been 12 episodes... Really? You think, you think that we're done with his dinosaur? I mean, yeah, He's but... He's gone. His, unless we're going to see stuff with his sister, which would be strange because we haven't seen anything not from his point of view. But it was very predictable. It was just like, here's the layout. They end up going onto a ship. He's found by these two people. Did we really need to see backstory for that? Sure. We could have just had a scene where... I mean, yeah, we could have just had a scene where he explained it. But really? Like, yeah. How do you expedite what we saw? First, you have to show that he was on the planet that his sister was there and that he left with the rest of the group to go fight these warriors and that all the rest of the group deserted and then that he went in the ship alone and then that he was discovered by these people. That's a lot to get through. But overall, so it they, takes like seven and a half minutes. <laughs> like yeah, they, but they, it wasn't like they, the backstory was taking up that much of no, the No, that's episodes. what I'm saying. The backstory was very short, but I still didn't like seeing it because it just felt like it was just so... I was thinking maybe they could do the 12 episodes and one of the episodes could have done the backstory, but then you probably wouldn't like that one episode. I like the way that they did it. By the third episode, I understood the backstory and I understood where they were going with it. If they hadn't done it that way, then it would have just felt like it was just plopped in there, you know? And then the last point, point con that I had was the fact that I didn't feel like this show was really relevant. And that's not just, I feel like, with Star Wars. That also goes for, like, Marvel's or any big brand TV show. Like, what when do you it, mean by when that? It, like, for example, with The Mandalorian, we hadn't had a Star Wars live-action TV show yet. So when that came out, it was like something that was very new. But ever since then, we've gotten things like Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett. And now we're getting Andor. And I'm sure we're probably going to get another Star Wars this live action a, series th down the line. This is so, an adventure, science fiction, thriller series yes, that takes place in when you, space. When you saw and Rogue has a cool One, movie that follows up to it. I don't know. When agree. you saw Rogue One, yeah. did you think to yourself, man, I really need to see an Andor backstory? No, but it didn't feel like I didn't want to, like if it was done well. If you tell me, okay, this show was made from this movie and it's I'm not off saying I'm not saying that the relevancy is reason not to enjoy the show. I'm saying that the more and more that these shows like Star Wars come out with live action shows, I don't think they would have like... made it. Like I, I know for a fact that Tony Gilroy was not going to make a TV series based on the movie unless it had a good story. I'm saying that as much as Star Wars TV shows come out, the relevancy for it is going to continue to go down. And I feel like the audience enjoyment of it is also starting to go down because it becomes less of a commodity and more just feel like they're cashing in. Star Wars cashing in? How dare you? <laughs> yes, but I'm saying that the more- that You're they saying they're milking a series too much. This is the same franchise that has created like a billion cartoons, thousands of books, like the canon at this point is out the window because like no one knows what's going on. No one can keep track of everything that's going on. We're well past when you can make the point. Well, I'm not sure if this show is relevant. Like this show is at least expanding the universe in a direction that it hasn't gone before and sort of a darker tone that like it, it addresses the past storyline and yet still makes its own creative like decisions. 
So I don't. The more and more that you make a Star Wars show, it doesn't matter what it is. The more and more you place in Star Wars and you have the name Star Wars on your title, the less and less people are going to become interested at this, in watching it. At this point, I I don't agree with you at all. I think that like they've already reached that maximum capacity. They're gonna they've already lost those fans who just aren't going to join the universe because it's too big. And at this point, they're just making it for those who have stuck around and also to the newcomers who might jump in. And any newcomer who jumps in and watches this first, I think will be a Star Wars fan. So I think it's done its job and I think it's relevant for that purpose. I also think that it's just a good series all in general. I give it an eight. What do you give it? I would give it a seven out of 10. I mean, there's definitely enough special effects, good acting and overall enjoyment to recommend the show. Um, but I can't imagine it turning into anything outstanding come the rest of the series. You said it's going to be like nine more episodes, right? Nine more episodes. And then there's a second season, which is also probably going to be 12 episodes, which right. leads to the beginning of Rogue One. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.